What's up, fight fans? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday, June 4th, 2019. The year is rolling along. What's up, guys? My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I'm joined by my co-host, Miss Natalie Zamudio. Hey, Double G, what's going on? Happy Tuesday. How you doing, man? What's up, Zamudio Rama? <laughs> How you been? I've been pretty good. I'm thinking of changing my Twitter handle, but that's for another day. I'll tell you about it. But yeah. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. I know. You want something cool like mine, right? That's what I always get. You know, I love yours. I think it's super cool, but I just want to use my name. Um, and I found an option that actually works. I have to add a couple of underscores. So uh, unless someone listening decides to take it, I think I can uh, I can actually put my full name in there now. You know, there's a Zamudio Rama out there just with the disrespect. So. The disrespect, man. Someone who hasn't been on Twitter since like 2015. <laughs> give me a break. All right. Well, you know what? Let's get into it. We have a lot. I mean, a lot to talk about. It was quite the weekend in fight sports. So you had UFC Stockholm. Obviously, everyone and their mom is talking about Andy Ruiz shocking Anthony Joshua. That was really crazy. But we'll talk, you know, and we can discuss that. But let's get into what you guys tuned in for. UFC Stockholm, Anthony Smith, Alexander Gustafsson. Natalie, what was your assessment of the fight? Dude, Smith, Anthony Smith backed up his words. All, the, all those pre-fight interviews that actually got me very hyped up for the fight and believed he was going to win because he said, you know, I just want to get in there. I want to scrap. I want to get that bad taste out of my mouth from not fighting John Jones from just showing up. And uh, he said, it doesn't matter where Gustafson takes the fight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be ready for him. I'll admit, I forgot that he was a... a of Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and he always says everybody forgets and sure enough I did um it seemed like a like a quick quick tap uh not I don't mean this as disrespect to Gustafson but all I mean is that it was hard to get a good look at the submission um the camera angles just couldn't couldn't get in there where his hand was so when I was watching it live the first time I was like whoa well how did it end like what happened it it sort of ended very quickly but uh once you saw Gustafson's base collapse it's a little surprising I know we talked about it on on you know text message and stuff uh, once that happened Smith that was it that's all he needed he he uh he got in there and uh finished the job so unfortunately he did break his hand and we already knew coming into it that he wanted to take a long break so I just hope he gets that time off and I guess I hope he gets to enjoy it with his family well deserved um you know we'll see him in 2020 that's what I hope he seems like a nice dude he just wants to to enjoy some some free time but an impressive win and then obviously Gustafson uh you know leaving the gloves in the cage so I'm not totally surprised but but it seemed like he just did it sort of suddenly like it seemed like he was almost debating with himself during the interview with Dan Hardy and then he just tossed him and said the show's over peace out so did you see that coming uh which one, the finish or the retirement? The the well, you you picked Gustafson, so you didn't see the finish. You didn't see the finish coming, but the uh, the retirement. <laughs> you, you know, okay, I'll I'll work backwards for you. Gotcha. You know, for me, um, you know, not until 
you saw his body language because for myself, I really felt like Gustafsson didn't look too bad. I think that he was fighting a smart fight with a dangerous, powerful striker in Anthony. That being said, I felt like the body language, it, you know, Anthony Smith takes the back. He is so high on the back that in my mind, I was honestly like, this is a very escapable position for Gus. Yeah. You can shake him over the top What's and then uh, Anthony adjusts. But I really feel like, you know, you're how many years in the game? Gustafsson knows how to escape that position. And I don't feel like he was really damaged or hurt by his shot. So I felt like it was just, um, uh, I'll say it from the outside looking in, it looked like his morale. Now, um, looking at the situation now with 2020, I see why it was a possibility and I... I feel a little bad that I didn't anticipate a little more, but let's be honest. Gustafsson, two losses to John. Daniel Cormier, that fight, a number, another one isn't going to happen, especially not at 205. That really, where, where did he have to go? If he isn't still beating everybody, there really wasn't, you know, if there's not a title at the, you know, in it for you anymore, what are you doing it for? And I really feel like that was Gustafsson, you know, in the last several months is that after earning your way back, after being in the game for so long, what do you really have left? And I think he addressed that. Look, he's not, you know, a- an old guy. He still has his facilities and everything around him. I feel like he's avoided a ton of damage personally in his career, respective, you know, it, when you look at it big picture. I think that this was a move him saying that, you know what, what's, you know, I'm not in it to be a middle of the pack guy. And if we're being honest, the window for him to get to that title shot, he really, that was his last. You could argue that his, you know, the best Alexander Gustafsson was probably about, you know, between five and three years ago when he was really putting it all together. So that didn't surprise me. Um, Look, I, I like Gus's style. He's, you know, when you get to be the man like Michael Bisping in uh, the UK, like him in Sweden, it's tough because you know that you got to be the man for a whole country. But I feel like this is him making a very good decision for his career. If he knows he's not about to be a middle of the pack guy, if he knows that the, you know, the uh, the summit isn't an option anymore then good on him to recognize that and say, this is why I wanted it. If that's not there, I'm just going to take more damage than I should be. So, you know, great career. Congratulations to Gus. I do think that if he wants to fight still, he can. But I think that he's making the decision for good reasons at this point. Now, that being said, for Anthony Smith, I was very impressed. I thought the threat of the power is exactly what, didn't allow Gustafson to get his offense going. I thought Gus really was forced to be more defensive. He really didn't get his combinations rolling. Third round a little bit, but Anthony turns it on again, and Gustafson did not have an answer late in the fight. So great performance. I don't want to take anything away from Anthony. I really do think he fought a great fight against a tall, long, you know, dangerous guy in Gustafson. What's next though, Natalie? Because you've just had that loss to John Jones. It's hard to say a rematch. I know that's what you said in the post-fight press conference, but that fight isn't there in my opinion. So let me toss it to you. What's yeah. next for Lionheart? Yeah, definitely not there. John Jones has plenty of other 
other folks gunning for their first title shot. And I think he should burn through a few more before anyone uh, gets a second shot at John Jones. That's not like, you know, Daniel Cormier or Alexander Gustafson, who are both out of the picture, I think, at light heavyweight. Yeah. So, so yeah, besides he's, he wants to stay, you know, out of the cage for, for the rest of the year. Um, if he comes back, I really don't think, even if, if John Jones is up for it, I really don't think it would make sense to come back from such a long break and then fight John Jones again for the title. Yeah. So th- there's no scenario that makes sense for me uh, that has Anthony Smith fighting John Jones anytime soon. He doesn't have to wait a long time, you know, maybe just one good win against, uh, you know, obviously we don't know how this is going to go when Tiago Santos fights John Jones, but one good yep. fight against the Santos, uh, Reyes, uh, you know, there's so many other people, Corey Anderson's up there too. So, Yep. Any of these guys makes makes totally suitable return opponents for uh for Smith before he gets into the shot. But, you know, respectfully, I don't Anthony Smith, I really like him. I, I appreciate his honesty. He's a a strong competitor, but when you look at just skill sets, you know, I don't think he he compares I don't think he beats out a lot of them just on paper. So he's got that the X factor for him is like the heart. Um and so you know, that's kind of hard to, to, to count on every fight. So I, I don't really know what his future is going to be, but, but I'm glad be, he's taking some time off and, and we'll see how it shakes out when he comes back. Be careful. You're starting to sound like Natalie Rockhold over there. <laughs> no, but um, uh, look, you, you make a point. Sometimes it does, you know, you, you feel like he sometimes shows a very, you know, how do I say, phrase it correctly? His game, sometimes you feel like he should have a couple more serious weapons outside of his power and his striking. That being said, I think that when you have that kind of ability, like you see a guy like Deontay Wilder in boxing, you got to give him his credit. And I think that he, he puts it together and he just very well. I think it's, do you see him putting that together against these top guys like you're saying? So... Look, that's why they fight the fight, as they say. He has proven a lot of people wrong. Um, for me, the way I see it, let's say John Jones, you know, holds serve, takes out Tiago Santos in a month. I feel like Dominic Reyes is right there. I don't know. I, I feel like John wants to stay active. So I don't know if they want to risk a Reyes versus Corey Anderson. Ju- and then possibly not have them ready to fight at the end of the year so i feel like dominic will get that next shot and then let's see where Corey anderson is at let's see where johnny walker does you know he wants to fight one more time he just got medically cleared i feel like those guys are next for anthony smith one of them has to go through him to get their title shot and i think that that makes it a fun fight stylistically i think it makes sense on the numbers and the rankings so my prediction i think they're going to give dominic reyes the next title shot if john jones wins and the Corey anderson and the johnny walker will have to make their way up through anthony smith yeah that works yeah but look good stuff it was a great night of fights in sweden they don't get enough credit like the australias and brazils but they are rambunctious they got a good show on saturday so dude they have a great crowd such a great crowd (laughs) 
Yeah, it was. I mean, they bring it. I get it. Do they understand this is their one UFC a year? They they take advantage of I it. I mean, you got Lena Lansbury getting like a huge roar, uh, you know, reception from the crowd. Like that would never happen in any other city for her. No dis, no disrespect, but that, you know, that's just how much they love their own fighters. No, it, it was awesome. Uh, Saturday, Andy Ruiz, Anthony Joshua. I Jesus. mean, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I was at the media day, Tatiana Suarez was asked about it, Henry Cejudo, guys who don't talk about boxing suddenly want to be the authority on it, which that annoys me when I see it, but okay, <laughs> guys, you want to be part of the conversation, welcome to the table. What were your thoughts on the whole upset? It was a beautiful thing to watch, man. It really was. I, I was actually surprised, like I had seen Andy Ruiz, whatever his last fight was, and you know, this will discredit me a little bit because I, I don't remember who he fought, but he just fought someone, I think, here at StubHub or Dignity Hounds or whatever it's called. And he beat them. I had never heard of him before. So, you know, you can put me in the in the posers section. But I was like, dude, this guy's good, man. He, he, just, he just beat up this dude. He's good. He's fast. So when I found out he was fighting Anthony, Anthony Joshua, I was like, this could be interesting. Yep. I was I was not, uh, I'll say, I was very surprised by how people were just jumping on him uh, criticizing him for his physique, I was like, y'all definitely don't know the power of Mexican <laughs> because it doesn't matter how it looks on the outside. You know, um, you could you could have a bunch of a bunch of chub on the outside, but but you know, there's always a, a strong dude underneath. So I was actually kind of bummed out, a little bit disappointed by people's, uh, you know, judging the book by the cover. Uh, and so I was extra happy when he came out and just outclassed Joshua better you know faster boxer more power he played it smart you know you could you could you, you could have ex- you could have excused him for going crazy but even after he knocked him down twice in the third round he he took the time in the fourth to recover himself right and, and, yep. and it wasn't clear to me that's what he was doing because i didn't think he was really hurt but when he goes back to the corner uh before round five you hear his coach ask him in spanish if he's recovered he says yep i'm good and he comes back out, goes to the game plan, stays patient. I mean, it's a beautiful thing to watch. I was so happy for the dude. And, uh, you know, I got to say, Joshua, he protested a little bit when the ref asked uh, after the ref <laughs> called off the fight. But, dude, he had his arms on the ropes. He wasn't asking for his mouthpiece, which to me was a very big signal that he wanted none of that. He was done. Uh, so clean victory as far as I'm concerned. What do you think? Uh, you know, you said a lot, so I'm going to try to keep it a little cleaner. Um, my whole thing about it, uh, let's say it like it is, the guy went out there and compared to Anthony Joshua, he looked like Nacho Libre. And he goes out there and has the fight of his life against a guy who we know is legit. For myself, I think that that was a combination of one, the physique, two, the fact that outside of even the most hardcore people, you know, your casual fan has probably never seen or cared enough about Andy Ruiz to remember him, even if they put him on a card with bigger names. So I think that was exactly why it was so monumental. Clearly, he's had a solid career for a boxer who's not a big pay-per-view draw. So I think you have to give him that credit there. Joshua looked flat. I, and whether he was respecting the power or whether he was really still hurt, the fact is... He did not make adjustments several rounds later after surviving the knockdowns. 
uh, for me, the, the moments that really stood out were Joshua's reaction. The first knockdown, he's kind of looking like, yeah, that, that just happened. Okay. You know, not really hurt, just more like, yeah, that just happened in front of people. The second one in the, what was it, late in the fight, he has that, he flashes his eyebrows like, yo, what's up? Like, yeah, that happened again. And in my mind, I'm like, Joshua, if you're not hurt, you need to start fighting like it. And we just really didn't see that. I feel like Ruiz was really beating him up every time he got close. And yeah, that final protest, I think it was the body language. I think the ref, if I'm being honest, I don't think Joshua was out. I think the ref saw that he's going to let this man take more punishment. And he made that call, if you ask me. So, uh, you know, look, epic, monumental. Um, Andy Ruiz has, uh, you know, enjoy the victory, enjoy the payday. People in Vegas are, you know, losing money. Some few happy people are rich. I say enjoy it. But yeah, I think the rematch is going to be interesting. I'll throw this out there. If I'm Deontay Wilder, I tell King Kong Ortiz to have a seat unless it's official and say, Andy, come on, let's have some fun. You want more money? I think that would be really cool. But look, that was the the fight story, if not the MMA story of the weekend. And look, he had the performance of his life and hats off to the man. He really took out a very dominant force in the division. But Natalie, we do have MMA to talk about. Okay. You need to get focused. You need to forget <laughs> about all, you know. Hey, I got to say, Taco Tuesday at Andy Ruiz's house is lit right now. We got to focus. GDR versus Aspen Ladd, the main event for UFC Sacramento. Criticizing this one for good reason, putting them over Uriah Faber, but very interesting me. Your thoughts on the fight? Yeah, I, it, it makes no sense to... Uh to have uh, this over Uriah Faber. Like, it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter who the other, it, it almost doesn't matter that it's terrain. Like, it doesn't matter who the fight is. It could be yep. anybody else. But, like, you got Uriah Faber coming back in Sacramento. Like, give him the headliner. Like, that just, that's just makes, that's just math, right? That's just simple arithmetic. Sure. Um, but, sorry, I, I don't know if you were saying anything else. You, you got cut off a little bit there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's the headliner for Sacramento. Um, Jermaine, Jermaine Duran to me, when's the last time we saw her? Uh, she fought like last November, okay. October. Look, man, she's a, she's a good fighter. Solid, you know, more than solid stand-up. She's got really great stand-up, right? That's, that's her forte. Um, yeah. so what happens if she wins, right? We're talking about her at 135. She had that, that weird 145 run, um, but 135 is kind of shallow right now, isn't it? Like there's, when you think about what kicked off the women's division of the UFC, it's certainly not that division any longer. And so it seems like a shot back at the title is easier to come by and you don't have to do too much to get back up there. So, I mean, they got to rank number one under, under Nunes. Like that's where she's ranked, which actually I'm surprised to see that. Um, yeah. That's kind of shocking. So, yeah, I mean, they, they, they want to build up Aspen Ladd, sure. But it's not an easy out, I don't think, for Aspen Ladd. Jermaine has a lot of uh, experience. Again, the great stand-up. We'll see what happens. Um, but this is a weird weight class for me right now because there's still a lot yeah. of the, the old guard 
holding court in the top 10. And then you have these new folks, but like the big names are still Holly Holm, Amanda Nunes, Kat Zingano. So, um, I mean, that's why Holly Holm has a title shot, right? <laughs> Even though Jermaine Durand is ranked above her, because that division is still relying on the names of, you know, that came up during the Ronda Rousey era to, uh, to attract fans. So anyway, what do you, uh, what are your thoughts on this booking and, uh, and how it looks for whoever wins? Yeah, I, on the Uriah Faber thing, I'd like to give GDR her credit. She has something that Uriah doesn't, and that's a UFC championship <laughs> on her resume. Sure. And, uh, respectfully, Uriah just had that match at Polaris, lost to the 17-year-old. I love Uriah. People know I love Uriah. I think it's a smart idea not to throw him into a five-rounder after being out, what will it be, close to three years when he finally gets back in there? I think that's the move. And look, the UFC is holding how many events a year? How many events a month? You're not going to get a number one contender every single week. You know, that's just not how the schedule is going to work. So I think for myself that that's why the GDR booking makes sense. Because you not only have, you know, so many events, you have two pay-per-views in uh, July just by itself. Plus a big one in August. Plus they just announced Habib and Dustin in Abu Dhabi. You got to think they want to stack the undercard. Um, There's not, you know, there's only so many big name, you know, non-champions to fill up the ESPN network fights and all this other stuff. So I get the booking. For me, the thing is that it does the UFC have the confidence to put GDR in another title fight? Because if she beats Aspen and Amanda beats Holly Holm, Ketlin Vieira, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm giving her a title shot after being out so many months with injury. And that's really it. I don't see Ket Zingano getting there. I don't see any. There's literally nobody else on my radar yeah, right now. Nobody. Five. Yeah. So to me, it's kind of like, look, Amanda has one win over GDR already, but th- there's really nobody else. And then, yes, of course, you want to find out what's going to happen with Cyborg and Spencer and all that that we're going to talk about in a minute. But to me, I really feel like the UFC, they're not talking about it, but they really believe in Aspen Ladd. Remember, they were going to give her Holly Holm back in March. Yeah. And so this fight, this is not an easy out for somebody still very young in their career, but that just goes to show you that they are ready to re-inject some new blood. They are trying to make these matchups that give them something new because they are aware that 135 is very stagnant. You are giving Holly Holm a title shot on the back of, you know, her name. I'll say it. It's a bit of the name. Yeah. Megan Anderson, that was a great performance, but you think already a year later, the fact that it's, she's still the top contender at 135 is mind boggling. And that's the state of things right now. So I think that this fight is meant more to set up Aspen Ladd to make a jump. I think that if Jermaine wins, then UFC is going to have to say it bluntly. Do you see yourself trusting Jermaine as a UFC champion again? We just talked about it with Ruiz. Anything could happen. GDR could come out there, knock out Amanda the way we thought Chris Cyborg would, and that's a wrap. Suddenly you've got to believe in Jermaine Durandamy as your champion again. UFC has to address that, and I think that that's going to be the situation if she wins on, you know, in July. So that's my assessment. Um, 
stylistically, uh, great striking against a more versatile game, I'd say, in Aspen. Let's see what the, you know, this young contender can do. I think that's going to be the question. Moving on, we do have the next fight to talk about. Like I just mentioned, Chris Cyborg versus Felicia Spencer, official at UFC 240. That is the second card with Max Holloway and Frankie Edgar on July 27th. Uh, Natalie, Spencer is undefeated at 7-0. Just had a great stoppage of Megan Anderson, but she has taken on Chris Cyborg, still arguably the best women's MMA fighter we've seen or will ever see. How do you assess this fight? It's a it's a fine fight, and it's it's what we expected, right? They don't really have any other options, as you said. Spencer looked great against Megan Anderson, and and to me, more importantly, in her debut, knowing how close she was with a win to a title shot, like she said it herself, she knew coming into the UFC it was going to be a short path to the shot. Knowing that, she to me looked very calm, very confident. She executed her game plan. And so that says a lot to me. Cyborg, I think, has more to lose in this fight. For Spencer, a win is amazing, right? You, you're defeating Cyborg, one of the legends of the sport, you know, just in general. And then specifically, she's even more important to the women's MMA uh, legacy. But for Cyborg, I think a loss will signal the beginning of the end of, of an era here. So uh, I'm excited for the fight. Like I said, not surprised. But what happens if, if Cy- like, you know, Cyborg's at the end of a contract, right? So yep. I think uh, in addition to, to losing the Spencer affecting her legacy, I think it also has to weigh on her, like, okay, what, what's the UFC? How eager are they going to be to keep me around? She knows her value. She has an idea, at least what she thinks she's worth. The UFC probably disagrees greatly, and they're not really known for – paying a whole lot right i think to say it mildly they uh, they keep the fighters on a on a on a pretty tight paycheck there so i really want to see where cyborg what she decides to do after this fight win or lose we saw her in that video a few months ago with the one championship gloves on i think that would be great that seems like a good home for her i really wish that pfl season two like i wish she had been able to and her contract in time to join that promotion, I think that would have been the best place for her. But when you look at the UFC 145 division, there's like three people in it, right? I mean, if you go on the UFC's web own website, they don't even list Felicia Spencer, Cyborg, Megan Anderson. It just says Amanda Nunes champion. That's it. So it's a very, very thin division. And I think that kind of, for someone like Cyborg who wants to, to continue to build her legacy, to compete. Like, she just wants to fight. She wants to fight. She wants to win her belt back. It's going to be really weird to know that you're fighting against, like, like your pool of competition is three people and that's it. Um, so either the UFC adds, like, 10 more fighters to the roster, like, meaningful contenders, or I don't know, man. I don't know what the future is for that division. I really don't. If Cyborg loses... And or if she wins, and if she or if she wins, but you know the UFC decides not to keep her. Like, is there even a point in, in continuing with that division? What do you think? Yeah, it's, you bring up a lot of great points. For me, the big one is um, what where does Cyborg really go from here? And you got to really assess. You got to look at a big picture of your Cyborg. 
you've been undefeated 10 years. You're not about to do another 10 years of MMA, guys. Let's, let's be realistic about it. The best case scenario, Cyborg were to somehow get the win. You know, they set up a fight with Amanda. She de- takes the belt back. She fights a few more people in her MMA career and calls it a day, rides into the sunset like we expected uh, last December. For me, if you're Cyborg, you got to ask yourself, what do I honestly want and what actually makes more sense? For example, she could re-sign with the UFC and say, hey, I want to fight for the title. Make Amanda defend or vacate. Okay, from there, is she going to just continue rolling on, you know, defend and defend until she loses? Or is she going to do, so, or you know, defend or retire, essentially, or lose or retire, what I mean for cyborg or does she feel like you know what i don't have anything left to prove getting the belt back from amanda isn't you know gonna mean as much to me as much as maybe entering bellator or maybe trying to do something in pfl and set up kayla harrison versus her all of that is something she has to answer for herself and she may not have an answer yet or she may be playing it close to the chest but if you ask me i think that if it's just about fighting a handful of times, fighting Felicia, Amanda, and Megan, that's maybe a one-year deal, if that, for Cyborg. So you got to ask, is, are you in it for just a year? Are you in it for a couple more? Are you looking to do other stuff? And, you know, where does that really go for you? Is that fighting Julia Budd and proving that in Bellator? Those are the questions she needs to ask. Um, look, you beat Felicia Spencer. That's another feather in your cap. Whether or not you get the fight with Amanda again, that's another, you know, leaf in your book that says how great you are. Going to Bellator, beating a Julia Budd, a Janae Harding, Arlene Blanco, all of that is going to add to your resume. Yes, of course she wants to win over Amanda Nunes. Everyone would want that. Demetrius Johnson wishes he could take that El Tsuhudo off his resume as he goes into one. It's natural, but like DJ made the move, you got to also ask yourself with your cyborg, what really matters to you and what, you know, are you okay letting the Amanda Nunes loss go into free agency and fighting in Bellator or just retiring in general? I think all of that makes, uh, you know, more sense. And then in terms of the fight, Felicia Spencer, solid fighter, well-rounded skills, Again, physicality, the power, and the game of Cyborg. Can she overcome that? Is Cyborg more vulnerable to damage after that shot? Only the fight will tell us. So that, to me, is what you really got to assess when you're talking about the future of Chris Cyborg and women's 145. Because if I'm being honest, I think Amanda could say, I want to stay at 135, and UFC just says, sorry, Megan, sorry, Felicia. We'll, spend, we'll send you back to Invicta. We'll pay for your next few fights because you signed. But that's it. Yeah, honestly, honestly, man, I think that's the more likely scenario that they're going to actually just end up shutting shutting this division down. Yeah, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, that's all we can do right now. It's I don't want to say it's in Cyborg's hands because, of course, the UFC has to want her to stick around as well. Yep. Um, but it does feel a little bit like if she chooses, which she should, if she chooses to take the best deal she can possibly take for her career, which, as you noted, is 
you know, has to be on the tail end, right? Um, well, I don't know if you said that, but you you know, that she has yeah. to ask herself, what does she want out of the next couple of years, right? I would say it's probably on the tail end. And so she has to decide, does she want to make the most bang for her buck or just try and really fight the youngest bucks out there? So if she can come to terms with the UFC, great. But I honestly, man, I doubt they want to keep her. I really don't. I think that they they have an excuse to shut that division down as soon as they get rid of her. And I feel like that's what they're going to do. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. What do you think, if you're Cyborg, uh, look, Bellator's going to offer a ton of money. UFC, at the end of the day, would give her a good amount of money. What, if you're Cyborg, what do you take? Do you take fighting Amanda, Megan Anderson, maybe a Pam Sorensen, or do you take Bellator and you do like a year and a half of fighting Julia Budd, Harding, Blanco, and those girls? I would, hopefully she would actually be able to sit down with Scott Coker, hear a pitch, and I got to believe that she would feel the love at Bellator. I, I really believe that she would be treated with more respect, get a bigger push, feel like she's more valued there. And I think because of that, she would choose, she would choose Bellator. Gotcha. I mean, I, it, look, it's a, uh, it's a, not a, the worst decision to have to know that you're going to be a big, per, big name anywhere, but yeah. Yeah. I think that it, that's what it is to me is I only see about three or four more fights for cyborg anyway, before she decides like, look, you know, what am I, I'm just kind of going to lap the field if I keep winning. And every fight now is a risk. I'm, she's not getting younger. She is still very powerful and dangerous. But, you know, once again, another 10-year run isn't about to happen. So I think that's the question you really got to ask if you're cyborg. But look, like I said, we'll find out very soon. July is around the corner. I have some big news coming up for that. But we do have big action in June. This Saturday, UFC 238, a lot of big stars, a lot of big names. People are getting excited, and we are back with an exclusive interview. The first one of 2019, I know it's taken a while. There's obviously been a lot with the show and everything else, but we have one. You, so, guys, if you remember when we used to do these, it is very conceited to introduce your own interview. <laughs> so I'm going to let Natalie talk to you about some stuff I did. Go ahead, <laughs> Natalie. Take it away, Natalie. Okay. Well, Gabriel, I got to say, man, I really love the interview. So you were at, um, oh, I'm going to get the name wrong, USK, USOK. I can't remember the name. USKO. USKO. No yeah, and you were doing some fine work there doing in-cage interviews. And uh, who, who should stumble across your path but Miss Tatiana Suarez. And uh, you were able to get some time with her and, and uh, ask her some really cool questions. So I think it was um, a really awesome interview because you got her right you know, early on, now she's doing the rounds with, uh, you know, you were there yesterday, right? Now she's doing yep. the rounds at Hinoki and the Bird, uh, the UFC favorite uh, spot for for uh, for those pre-fight press conferences. But yeah, good stuff, man. I got to say, she has really good energy and she's seems to be like very humble, but also fully aware of how badass she is. And like, I think she's always kind of trying to, to walk that line between telling everyone, guys, don't forget that I, you know, am Olympic quality caliber wrestler, but also, you know, uh, I'm not going to be 
trash talking like some of my other uh, my peers. So um, what I really liked about the interview was that you could feel the 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 shift in energy when you asked her about Michelle Watterson, right? There's a little bit of tension there because she's smart enough to know how loved Michelle Watterson is by the UFC, by the fans. And I would say how how at risk her title shot is now that Watterson has fought her way back into the conversation. But but props to Tatiana, right? Because she's playing it very cool. The pressure is definitely on her to put on an impressive win against Nina Ansaroff. That's not going to be easy when you think about who you know, answer off his training with on a daily basis. Like when I was thinking about it, I was like, that's like how DC always talks about Kane Velasquez and how he's a much better fighter when he gets to train with Kane because he's bigger and he pushes him. And so I, I suspect that's sort of what the Nina answer off Amanda Nunes relationship is about. But um, I thought it was great, man. She's open and honest with you. That's always the goal. But um, I did, I was curious cause I knew you were there for, for other work. Yep. So, <laughs> The goofball in me wondered, like, when you saw her, did you know it was her right away? Or did you have to, like, do a double take and say, like, man, that better be Tatiana Suarez before I go up there and start asking her questions? It was so low-key. I saw her sitting, and um, I think, you know, her facial features are very unique. And I think that was it. And I know she's an Inland Empire person. Yeah. Um, that's one thing. I used to live out there. And so when you hear about someone coming up, especially like her, it's like, oh, that's really awesome that they're representing out there. Um, so when I saw her, I, I recognized her and I was almost like, there's no way. Because she did not have an entourage at all. You could have just walked up to her and you just, no, no issue. And I literally went up to her and I was just like, hey, are you Tatiana Suarez? And she's like, yeah. And then, um, <laughs> I let her, you know, I let her know. I said, I introduced myself. And I want to point out, uh, look. It was UC 238 the same night as Jessica and Rose. And, you know, to ask her, and I know she gets a lot of questions, very accommodating, sweet as a person, great with her time. We had a great conversation. Um, I, she was very personable. And I get it because that's the X factor, right? That's why you kind of look at her, the Mackenzie Derns, the Kayla Harrisons as the next big thing because they have that energy about them that just – clicks and i'll just say it like i get it after talking talking to tatiana i get the hype and she had great answers i respected the fact that she didn't pick a winner for jessica rose um i you know she was very open about the photo shoot controversy her height her size um we had a good moment there and she was just great about talking about nina talking about the future and yeah, I think she just understood that I was just looking to get a few minutes, and she was just very awesome. Uh, I talked to her uh, yesterday, and we had a moment, too. And, yeah, she's just great, great individual. And win or lose, she's going to have a great fight on Saturday. I mean, she's a heck of a of a fighter. Like, you just look at her physique. I know that that question you asked her, and Karen Bryan asked her about it yesterday, too. And it's she always says, like, you know, I, I don't come in weighing that much. I don't know why this is a such a an issue but she really is a a much taller well she's only five five she says right yeah she seems so much more imposing in the cage against all of her opponents she i mean especially well her last fight was carlos farza so that's you know extra disparage um i I say it's the broad shoulders yeah, that's, that's that probably is the, right. I think that's the biggest thing that makes the, that creates that effect on TV when you see her. 
because when you see her, I, like I'll just say it bluntly, you know, like she looks taller on TV. <laughs> yeah, man, that's fair. Uh, you know, she does have broad shoulders. She's got a strong jawline, and and I think they put that together, and it it makes her like a more imposing figure than than you know you got to see it up close, and maybe is is reality. So. Um, yeah, I'm really coming around to her. I guess I really hadn't heard her talk much before. She did the food truck diaries. She talked to you. She was doing the rounds yesterday. So I like her composed, you know, sort of like mild-mannered cockiness um, because, again, she knows she's badass, but she's not at the point yet where either she's a, either she's not ready to completely show all of herself or she really just feels like, you know what? Why don't you just watch me fight? Yeah. Like, I don't need to tell you. Just watch me fight. Like, I... I'm such a high caliber wrestler. Like you guys don't even really, you can't even process it, which is why I kind of like that. Cejudo um, gave her some props yesterday too. And he was like, you guys don't realize like what, what level you're looking at here of wrestler. Um, so I'm very, I'm very excited to see her career now in, in the, in the UFC um, where I got to say, I wasn't really so much before because I just felt like, again, this illusion of her being so much bigger. I felt like she's just manhandling people, but now I can see, you know what? She's actually got a really legitimate skill set, and she's working on her game. I mean, that's all you can ask for when you got a young, uh, a young athlete that comes up doing one something very specific like wrestling. Uh, there's just going to be an evolution, and so we're at a at a point now where we get to see a really exciting evolution of Tatiana Suarez. You know, we got to see it with Michelle Waterson. She's evolved so much. She's a much better fighter now. Um, we got to see it with Carlos Barza, and it's really awesome to watch. It's something you don't really get in the men's divisions these days, mm-hmm. but you still get to see it in the women's division. So anyway. Good on you, man. Way to way to snag that interview and uh, good good stuff. Oh, thank you so much. Um, final question on Tatiana and all that. Uh, who wins her Nina Ansaroff on Saturday? So as much as I'm giving Nina Ansaroff, you know, uh, kudos for having an amazing training partner. I think uh, I think Tatiana Suarez really is a superior fighter, and you know her striking is fine, but the wrestling is is still she's still in a place in that division where her wrestling can do all the work for her if she wants it to. And, um, I think she's just gonna, gonna outwork her on the, on the, against the cage and on the canvas. What? You just watched Andy Ruiz, the guy from Imperial, California, the underdog of all underdogs of 2019, take out three belt holder, heavyweight champion, the Prince of the UK, Anthony Joshua, and you still don't believe in Nina Ansaroff. I still don't I mean, believe. I, I agree with you too. <laughs> I, don't dis- I don't disbelieve in her, but I believe so much more in Tatiana Suarez. Um, look, man, you cannot discount the Olympic, um, the yeah. Olympic background. Like I know she didn't make it because, and she was, she, you know, she had cancer, and that's a whole other thing that adds to a human's like complexity. Like when someone goes through that kind of level of survival. Yeah. Forget about it. Like, uh, like someone like me, like I can't even understand that. So she's got these two really important, like life-changing experiences. Now she's a UFC fighter. Those are X factors. Nina Ansaroff doesn't have, and and they're gonna make the difference. So yeah, man, you, I am. You, you know, the thing for me is, uh, look, Nina wants to win this thing. She got to have her Andy Ruiz moment. You got to get in her face. You got to make it ugly. You got to make her feel like she can't shoot for that takedown. You got to yeah. make her feel like, why isn't that takedown there? And that is going to mean taking a few shots. That is going to mean, you know, making it ugly. But for 15 minutes, Nina can do it. Of course, you're going to believe in Tatiana's ability to do to her 
what she's done to many other people because of the caliber of opponents, because of the, um, I guess, credentials of the people she's faced. And I, I guess the fact that Nina, you feel like she's kind of putting it together on the fly, which like Jessica I, who we're going to talk about, that's what matters. doesn't matter what you have on paper. It matters. Did you go out there and you win? Yes, you did. That's the key to it. And I think that that's going to be what it comes down to is can Tatiana hold serve? Because otherwise, you know, Nina's not going to be afraid to get after you. She's proven that. And she's working with Amanda Nunes every day. So all of that together makes it for quite the interesting one. But I'm with you. I've got Tatiana, which means we've got to just continue this trend. Let's start breaking down (laughs) 238. We're going to work from the bottom up. So we're going to actually start with the one that everyone is thinks going to steal the show. Tony Ferguson, Donald Cerrone, winner take all, the Cowboy, El Cucuy, former interim champion against the all-time leader in wins, knockouts, submissions, I think, something like that. Um, Natalie Zamudio, who is going to win? <laughs> I mean, dude, damn, what do you say, right? This is, this one is like almost, I know we're going to talk about it, but I almost, it's one of those where you don't even need to talk. Just, just go watch the fight. The fighters don't need to talk. Nobody in the media, no fans. None of us need to say jack shit. Excuse my language. All of us just need to show up on fight night and just be amazed, right? Yeah. Guaranteed fireworks. I want to like tell everybody I know and don't know, people who don't care about fighting, people who detest fighting, people who love i mean everyone i just i want to tell everyone look saturday night this is where you need to be go watch this fight you're about to see two humans separate from their souls just go animal it's going to be something else but but i don't say that like disparagingly right because these dudes are extremely sharp fighters yeah great cage iq they're also though completely willing to throw down and leave it all out there so with that said which isn't a lot to say except go watch the fight i pick cerrone um both fighters are are more attuned to their to their id you know Mm -hmm. that part of their brain than most i would say i think both of them can dig deeper than than most people of course but even most most fighters but i think cerrone has that recent advantage of fighting more regularly and i say that but then i think about ferguson coming back from that knee injury and how good he looked against pettis right like he didn't skip a beat and so I, it's kind of hard to say what is going to be the thing, right? You can't really count. You can never count out Tony Ferguson like ever. When I, when I sit back, I put these two fighters on paper. It's kind of a pick them. You line up their skills side by side. We're looking, I think we're looking fairly even, you know, the striking mm-hmm. game. Yep. Uh, uh, Ferguson is more creative, right? He says he's like dancing in the cage and it, it sort of feels that way, right? He has them. Um, he has a, a strike for every beat. There's no yep. pausing. You know, wherever his body ends up, there's a fist or a, or, a, or a foot coming out to anticipate his opponent's reaction. So it's really impressive what he does. But when you line up, and, and then so I'm continuing to line line things up, right? Because I, I was looking on paper, I was like, okay, everything looks sort of even. There's a little bit of you know a blip in the in the radar here and there for either side. They're both wild men. So, so I'm trying to figure out what's the X factor. And I don't know. I'm still picking Cerrone, though, because that, that dad Cerrone thing, 
really has changed him as a fighter. Then you think about the boogeyman, right? El Kukui and, and how... When I say madman, I com- I'm completely excluding his personal business. I'm talking about just the man we see in the cage. He's like a madman in there, right? And so yep. it's hard for me to, to decide who's going to win. Like, who's going to have the X Factor? I'm still picking Cerrone, though. And, and that's it. I don't know if he's going to finish him or if it's going to go to decision. I have no idea. I expect there to be a lot of blood. And I sound like a sicko saying that, but I'm very excited to see this fight. What do you think, man? You know what? It's uh, look, it's fun. It is good. I think that to me, look, you bring up the great thing about Dad Cerrone, and to me, that's the bigger X factor. Tony Ferguson, several months after knee surgery, got after Anthony Pettis, and Anthony Pettis is a tough guy. We already know that. For me, it's about is Donald Cerrone actually a different guy? Because let's say it like it is. He, in the past, has gotten stopped. He's had losses to Masvidal, to Till. Leon Edwards uh, shut him down. Rafael Dos Anjos shut him down. And let's be honest, you know, I know everyone's getting hyped up about Dad Cerrone, and he's looked this and that. Tony Ferguson has kids, too. He's got a son, too. And so, you know, it's not like, well, Cowboy's a dad. It's like, you know what, let's. We're kind of jumping on that narrative because we've seen Cerrone so many times we need something new. So to me, the question is, when Tony Ferguson comes at you because you know he will go after him, is he going to be able to withstand the onslaught for 15 minutes? Because I think that Tony Ferguson is more aggressive, takes more risks, does more damage than Ayakinta, than Alex Hernandez, than Mike Perry at welterweight. And that is saying something. I think all of that factors into this. That being said, you should believe more in Cerrone's ability to make adjustments and keep it at his range and attack with high volume like you're going to need to do to upset, you know, a guy like Tony Ferguson. Because, look, I, I, I get it. There's everything in his personal life. Is he rushing into it? Where is he really at? Why has he been so long to get into a fight? I get all that. But... Donald Cerrone, this kind of schedule, this is where he thrives in. Being able to put it together and do his thing. I want a fight of the year because the offensive capabilities matter. And this one is one of those fights that gets you hyped up. That being said, I'm going the opposite. I believe in Tony Ferguson. I think at the end of the day, stylistically, he's going to stay in the face of Cowboy. And even though Cowboy does a lot of good work, He tends to need to put the combination together. That is hard to do when you have the forward pressure, and I think that that's what you're going to see from Tony Ferguson. Unlike Ayakinta and other guys who couldn't keep it up, I'm going to be able to keep that pace for 15 minutes. I think it's going to keep Cerrone from implementing his game plan, and even if he survives it, I think Tony Ferguson ends that fight ahead on the scorecards. Yeah, man. I mean, that's... That's totally possible. The more I think about just how Ferguson fights, and yeah, relentless is the key word there. He will not give up. He will not back down. We've seen him, you know, injured in fights. You know, what was the uh, the Lando Venata fight? Yeah. He was down. Even against Kevin Lee, Kevin Lee kept taking him down, taking him down, and then Ferguson submitted him. He has no quit. He has like a sixth, seventh, eighth gear in him, and uh, it's 
it's a it's a 50 50 man i'm still gonna stick with cerrone but yeah i mean i completely also agree with your your, your assessment too so you know we're gonna right. see a heck of a fight so i'm gonna get bragging rights on monday that's for sure <laughs> Um, moving on to the co-main event, Val- your sister, Valentina <laughs> against Jessica I. So I know who you're picking, but how did she get done? Uh, I, You know, here's the thing. I love, obviously, I love my sister. Uh, she's badass, right? She's like a machine. Yep. Um, when DC, I'm going to make a reference here. When DC fought Volcan Ozdemir and he beat him, and I, thought, I can't remember how he submitted him. It was like a north-south something uh, or a crucifix. or I can't remember. something crazy. And he says, there are levels to this game. And that's how I feel about this matchup. I know Jessica I looks better at 125 than she did at 135. But to me, her stand-up is not even close to being on the same level as Shevchenko. And, of course, she has this wrestling pedigree. And, and, and she's been doing it for, you know, I don't know, most of her life. So she has that advantage, a lifetime of experience. But we've seen Shevchenko showcase tremendous skills in, the, in, the depart- in that department as well. I mean, she... This is at 135, but she submitted uh, Juliana Pena. And she has defended herself so well with grappling exchanges, even against, you know, Jan Jacek, who obviously is not going to go after you that way. But there was some some of that going on. And Shevchenko can just take you down if she wants to. I mean, if you look at her back, it's so strong. She has so many muscles there. But anyway, how do I see this going down? I think Valentina has – she has finished some opponents, right? I mentioned Juliana Pena and then um, – who was the other one? Cachuera, I think. Is that the one that she like elbowed, elbowed yeah. to death? Yeah. Um, but mostly she goes to she goes the distance, and so I think this one actually will go the distance. But I think she's going to win on all scorecards, so she'll get unanimous decision. I think she's just going to outclass Jessica. I maintain distance. She's an excellent counter puncher, as we know. Uh, sneaky, ferocious. What I love about her is that every strike that she throws is with intention. Even even if it's feeling you out, it's still aggressive. And she, I think she can handle herself on the ground. I'm sure she'll get taken down, but I'll, I think she'll be able to get out of it um, and even inflict some damage. So I see Je- uh, Shevchenko winning by unanimous decision. I am curious to see how Jessica I is going to look, right? She moved Jim. She's at uh, Extreme Couture now. She's doubtlessly, uh, you know, undoubtedly made improvements. But Shevchenko is just too complete. So... That's that's where I go. Please uh, tell me you also pick Valentina Shevchenko. Nah, Jessica I is gonna you know finish the sweep for the Shevchenko system. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, no, I, I have uh, Valentina also. I think that um, you know I, I agree with everything you've said. Your assessment is mine to the T. The athleticism and the skill set of Valentina is so complete that it's it's very hard. You know, if you are an elite fighter to get a W over Valentina. And we saw that in Amanda Nunes, who for crying out loud, knocked out Chris Cyborg. That tells you what kind of athlete you're dealing with in Valentina and the skill level. That being said, to play devil's advocate, I think Jessica I pulls an upset if she makes this ugly, just like we talked about with Nina Ansaroff. You literally just have to get in the face of her and it doesn't have to be clean. It doesn't have to look good. You just have to keep it up. And to her credit, that is where that durability, that toughness, the struggles she's been through, that's where Jessica I really does carry the intangibles, if you ask me. So I think that the way to a Jessica I upset, you really just similar like we kind of just talked about with Tony Ferguson. 
You just got to get in her face. You got to make her feel like she can't just, you know, keep mid-range and pick you apart in the middle of the octagon. You just have to get after her a little bit and you and get away when you feel like adjusted and she's looking to counter you. I think that's easier said than done. Once again, you're going to have to eat punches to get there, but that's how you take out someone like a Valentina when you are not about to go tit for tat in the middle of the cage. So I think that's the keeper, Jessica I, but I agree with your assessment. I think at the end of the day, Shevchenko is going to be able to utilize more of her weapons more easily, and that's going to lead to a shutdown of Jessica I. She's just going to be able to avoid the damage and be in the spots she needs to to land throughout the fight and defend them well when Jessica goes on the offensive. I have a Valentina victory also. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> but I will say, you, you know, you mentioned one of the ways that I could win not me, Jessica, I could win. And uh, it's true. If, if she's willing to take a punch to get in, that could be very effective, particularly because Shevchenko doesn't have knockout power. Correct. So, you know, I wouldn't be scared if I'm Shevchen- if I'm I, Jessica, I, to get in there. And uh, she's definitely got the personality for, for that kind of strategy, right? She's ferocious. She's uh, relentless, right, as you mentioned. And so... It could be interesting. Uh, I was watching the countdown and I'm a sucker for good editing. And, you know, <laughs> they, they got me a little <laughs> nervous, you know, with the, with the Jessica I section where she's talking a good game and you see her wrestling with Gray Maynard. And I was like, oh man, you know. Maybe she will beat my maybe sister. Maybe she will. I mean, you know, I was like, maybe she could make it hard for my sister to beat her is, is more where I ended up. But uh, yeah, it definitely made me a little bit nervous. But Shevchenko is just like, does she ever do anything else but train? Like, that's just the feeling I get, you know, like, and she, I feel like she just loves that life. You know, she's traveling, she's shooting her gun, she's kicking trees. I mean, the woman <laughs> is just like, unlike any other human on earth. So can I say this? And I say this as a compliment I feel like if you were to ask Valentina out on a date, she would be like, sure, do you want to go sparring? <laughs> and it's like, uh, oh, you know, yeah, I think that it's that, you know, that Bushido, that samurai spirit that you live, you know, martial arts is your right. life. That, that would be her idea of a great first date is let me go beat you up. And then I would say, well, <laughs> I mean, don't hit me in the face, <laughs> please. Otherwise, she's worth it. She's worth it, Natalie. I'll let her, you know, I'll let her kick kick me in the stomach once, but that's about it. (laughs) Okay. But yeah, you know, look, I I get what you're saying. And also, I want to bring out one more thing before we move to the main event already. Um, The takedowns. Jessica, I, look, all you got to do is high volume. You're not trying to be Damian Maya if you take down Shevchenko. And if she's just focused on high volume, conservative ground and pound that keeps Valentina from, you know, you know, moving her hips and trying to do something that could very well be an X factor. Just really get really commit to it and go for it, especially if you're training with someone like a gray Maynard. And I think that that's something, you know, people are like, but she has a ground game and it's like, yeah, but that isn't a reason to not try to take her down, especially if you know, you're probably going to be at a deficit in the standup. So I think that's another key to victory. If you're Jessica I, you just have to really, you know, 
uh, I think that's the thing. When you're talking about an upset, it's because you're saying this person is going to have to probably take some damage to pull it off. And we saw that with Jessica Andrade the other day, and we saw that with Ruiz, and that's the key for a Jessica I upset too. Yeah, man, it is. Fingers crossed it doesn't happen, but it's right there. It's, you know, there is a strategy, a very achievable strategy for her. So do you sit with Antonina during the fights, or who do you oh, sit you with? Oh, you know what? <laughs> Mama Shevchenko? <laughs> They like me to stay home and just watch from TV. It it helps them. Uh, it helps them stay. Uh, they don't. They don't like the distraction of the third sister. So I see. Is that why they never? Talk That's to why they never talk to me. Yeah, I'm like okay. the. Um, you know how the Osborns. You know who the Osborns are? Like Sharon Osborne, Ozzy Osborne. They have like an older daughter that no one ever knew about. I'm like that. I'm like that sister. So. <laughs> But you still count. That's what I mean, matters. I count myself, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Moving on to the main event, we have flyweight champion Henry Cejudo. Natalie, did you know he won a gold medal? I mean, I, I wish I had known sooner. I just found out today, and so I was like, what? I know. Amazing. I mean, uh, yeah, I talked to him yesterday. He's taking on Marlon Moraes. That guy, he legit, he really does like to mention it. That's his go-to. But um, look, a little bit, I don't want to say history because now it feels like the double champ thing is happening often, but he could be a, the lightweight, you know, the lighter division double champ, but he's taking on a very dangerous guy in Moraes. Do you see the weight making that difference? Can he still be the force that he is at 135. I keep wondering that because, and I should have looked this up ahead of time. I don't know how tall he is, but he is still shorter than Marias. And yep. um, oh, here we go. I think, honestly, I think that the height difference will have to do with it. Let's see. He is 5'4". Okay. And Marias, bear with me here, is 5'6". So two inches. It doesn't seem like a lot, but Marias just seems like the bigger dude um all around bigger dude his of course henry cejudo's has a great physique but marias is like when you look at his his legs his thighs and those shins that he used to the shin that he used to kick alderman sterling that's what makes me the most nervous is those kicks but i do you know i heard henry cejudo talking to you guys yesterday and he talks a great game and he makes me believe him you know that i'm he's the more intelligent fighter and he's the, well, actually, I should say, he's a more intelligent competitor, right? And um, I believe in Henry Cejudo. My heart believes in Henry Cejudo, but I cannot forget Marlon Marais in the last three fights that he's had. He's been out of this world, like so um, high above the other competitors. Like he just makes them look like they just started MMA, the way he dismantles them so quickly, so efficiently. I believe if he had fought TJ, he would have beat him. And, uh, you know, yeah, we'll see how Cejudo looks going 10 pounds, up 10 pounds. He says that's better for him, that it's that 125 is a really hard weight cut. Man, I don't know. I do have a pick, but I want to hear what you have to say more before I before I give it, because it's a it's a tough one for me. There's a, there's a lot of conflict in my heart here. So. <laughs> I feel like when you say that, it's because it's like, okay, yeah, that sounds smart. I'm going to roll with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I, it wouldn't be the first time. Okay, for myself, uh, look, to reference all of the talk that's been going back and forth, Henry Cejudo likes to say he looks like Mr. Clean. 
Let's be honest. He looks more like the brawny guy. There is not an inch of fat on Marlon Moraes, no. and people just don't talk about his physique because he's not as tall as a Yoel Romero. Let's say, let's say it very bluntly. Now, I agree with you. I think that the power of Marlon, I don't think Henry has fought a guy who can legit hurt you with the shots that Moraes yeah. does. I think if he lands kicks, they are going to hurt the legs. I think that if he throws punches to the body, your body is going to hurt and sting and scream. And that's not to take credit away from Henry. I'm just saying that that adds up. Demetrius Johnson, the best ever, is not going to hit you as hard as Moraes hits you. And that accumulates because I also know that Moraes is very well conditioned. I think that he's going to be able to bring that for, you know, um, 15 to 25 minutes, whatever he needs to do to get the job done. Now, I think that to me, the height helps Henry change levels, go for a takedown. I think that the early rounds are key. Can Moraes defend? Can he do that damage early? Because I believe in Henry in a five-round fight, but that is only if Moraes is able to get his offense going. If he's able to slow him down with kicks, is he, if he's able to have more moments in the stand-up, similar to Gustafsson and Anthony Smith. I feel like Gustafsson, you know, is Henry Cejudo, and even though he's got, he didn't take too much damage, just the power that's coming at you is the difference maker. And if you can't get your own offense going, you get exactly the result you got last Saturday. So I think for me, it's about can Henry avoid the damage? Can he get the positions he needs? Because you know that Marlon, if he touches you, he's going to do damage. He's going to hurt yeah. you. And that, to me, is the big factor. Because otherwise, Cejudo on, the, on top, he, you know, that's a wash. If he's able to slip and move effectively, he starts to run away on points. All of that favors him. But a firefight goes to Marais 10 out of 10 times. So that, to me, is how I assess the fight. But... My heart is really conflicted also, so I'm going to let you make your prediction first. <laughs> first, let me say, well put. That was, uh, that was pretty spot on. Firefight is, uh, is definitely the, uh, the scenario where Marais wins. And my heart wants Cejudo, but my brain is, is winning here. It's picking Marais. I think he is going to finish Henry. Shin to brain, and, and it's all over. That's kind of how I see this going down. Now, it may not actually be a kick to the head, but... I think it is going to be the, the power difference that makes the difference and wins the fight for Marais. Um, I don't know how soon it's going to happen because Cejudo is, is, is smart. He's scrappy. He's going to move around. He's not going to just be sitting there waiting and allowing Marais to, to land on him. But I think eventually Marais will be able to finish him with, with his power, unfortunately. But, hey, if Cejudo wins, I mean, that would be a dream come true. That's what I want to see. But I also love Marais, but for my my uh, my boy Cejudo here, uh, I would love to see him continue to talk about what a gold digger he is. Can I say something I've noticed in a couple months of doing the show with you? Yes. <laughs> you have this way of being very polite. It's like, you know, uh, you're very polite, but then you predict just like a devastating finish <laughs> for the other guy. So it's like, my heart has Cejudo, but I think Marais is just going to scramble his guts with shots. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think he's going to shin to the brain. I think he's going to go the way of the dodo bird. It's like, yo, it's like no disrespect, but I think you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I love you, but you also, uh, start digging your grave. <laughs> you do, and you do this a lot, and I find it so funny. Cause man, I guess. Hey, look, I'm just trying to be honest with you. <laughs> it's like you want to be polite that you think he's gonna die. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I got Marais too. I just, um, I believe in his ability to implement his offense over Henry. If all things are equal, if Henry is fighting his best and if Marlon is fighting his best, I believe in Marlon's ability to move and hit the shots he needs to to do the damage as opposed to Henry being able to close the distance and land his shots or get the takedown on Morais. So I'm with you. I will say five round effort. I don't think Henry goes away easily. And you're going to see exactly why he's a champion. But this is still Marlon's fight. Yeah, I think so. And look, nothing wrong. You still have a gold medal and a UFC belt if you lose, if you're Henry. So, you know, uh, I don't like to say playing with house money because you go out there and you put your health on the line. But, you know, it can make the loss a little easier to live with, if you ask me. So I think that that helps him out, too. I think so. And he's got those two. He's got both belts, you know, the old version and the new version. And, you know, <laughs> that's nice. Not everyone gets that. Did you know that he owns a? Did you know that he defeated Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson? I just found out today as well. I knew nothing about Henry Cejudo until today, actually. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, what do you think about the the cringe Hudo, like they like to call it? I think it's funny, dude. I think I think you know, I I love that he's just fully embracing it because a lot of people could could go the other way and and you know hide from it and be like, oh, you know, don't make fun of me, but. He knew that he, you know, I don't think he was cringy at first on purpose, but once he, once he realized that people were, were rolling their eyes at him, he was like, okay, let's go, let's go full cringe. And he turned it into a hashtag and he's smart. What did he say yesterday? Which I, you know, his whole interview, if people haven't watched it with you guys uh, at the UFC um, lunch thing was really yeah. intelligent. I mean, what does he say? The UFC is not a fighter. It's not a mixed martial arts promotion. It's a marketing company, right? Yeah, and, and I and he's like, I realize uh, this whole there's this whole anecdote about Ch- uh, Chael Sonnen, which is great. He realized like, if I want to make it, if I want to make money, if I want to make an impact, I have to just be myself. Now he says he's being himself, but you know he's turning it up a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, but it's very smart, and and I think he's effectively turned into a marketing machine without being offensive or obnoxious, um, because he's willing to be self-deprecating, and I think that's the key being able to make fun of yourself, you know, people will still roll their eyes at him and they are, but when you can be self-deprecating, it, it makes, it softens your whole attack, um, your verbal attack, whatever you have to say, it gets softened when you say, Oh, by the way, do you remember that I won an Olympic gold medal or cringe judo? You know, so going all in on that is genius. Good for him. I mean, the, here's the thing. I found it obnoxious, but then if I'm being honest, I feel like the, it's also made him very easy to discuss because you get to have your go-tos anytime. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I've mentioned it every time I do a piece on the fights coming up, and it's like, Henry Cejudo tells us that, about the time he won a gold medal. <laughs> and it's like, I don't even know why I say it, but it's like the first thing that comes to my mind. And so it's working, people, believe it or not. Um, yeah, look, it's it's going to be a good fight. I think that the card, low-key, is very stacked from Henry and them to Tatiana and Nina to you got, um, wh- what else? Aljamain Sterling, Pedro Munoz. That's not a sleeper fight. Dude, that's and they hate each other. That's going to be great. That's personal. Yeah. 
And then, you know, you talk about they're going to be next for the Bantamweight champion. That This is a good card. And I, I'll say it. We didn't say it on the um, Cowboy and Ferguson assessment, but that fight legit is selling pay-per-views on Saturday. Knowing they are on the card and going to bring it is what is going to make that a very, you know, watched card, if you ask me. So Yeah, dude. Yeah, this is actually one of the best pay-per-views of the year. I mean... The prelims, Tatiana Suarez, Nina Ansaroff, Eldermaine Sterling, Pedro Munoz, Carolina Kovalkiewicz back so soon. Yeah. Um, Alexa Grosso, she's great. She's a great boxer. She just kind of hasn't, you know, put it all together yet. You got Ricardo Lamas. Um, also, um, Taitu Ivasa. We're going to see yeah. a Chewy. So, I mean, Joanne Calderwood, Kayla Chikagian, I forgot about that. That's a that's an important that's fight. That's big in flyweight, yeah. Yeah, for flyweight. So, I mean, guys, this is one you do not want to miss. And I, I know it's a pay-per-view, but imagine if this was just on regular TV. Oh, my God. Like, for everyone to be able to see the, la- the, the main card, but specifically the last three fights, it's just, that would be an amazing display of what mixed martial arts is. Hey, but um, here's what I like. ESPN was airing already, like, barely a month in, the uh, Israel Adesanya, Kelvin Gastelum, Max and Dustin. You know, you don't have to wait too long, people. That's the nice thing about this new deal. That's true. That's yeah. true. But, yeah, so we're going to get all that action. There is no UFC action next week, but you do have one of the biggest Bellator cards, Leota Machida, Chael Sonnen. You got Rory, Neiman Gracie, Aaron Pico's back, Dylan Dennis. A lot of good stuff going on. So, Natalie, we will have a lot to talk about for next Friday. That is really awesome. But what are you most looking forward to about talking about next week? Leoto Machida. I mean, I love that man so much. I uh, I can't wait to see him. Don't let your fiance hear that. I'm sorry? Don't let your fiance hear that. Dude, he loves him more than I do. I'm telling you, when we were in Hawaii on vacation and that for Bellator 214 or whatever it was, we kept running into him at the gym. And uh, my fiance is like, you know what? I'm bigger than him. <laughs> I was like, okay, bro. <laughs> but he's, he's a big fan of his, a bigger fan than I am, frankly. Um, so I'm excited just to, you know, start reading some, listening to some more interviews. And, you know, Chael's always good for a, for a press conference. Although with someone like Leoto, he's very, you know, respectful and there's no animosity. So um, he's entertaining in different ways, which makes me appreciate Chael more because he can be, um, he can just, he can be the carnival barker without insulting his opponent, if that's what's called for yeah um but yeah that's what i'm looking forward to uh i haven't checked out what else is going on i don't know if combate has a fight coming up i think they do um but you know what oh yeah in texas right oh no no. jose alde yeah in um where is this tucson arizona yeah um but talking about combate i saw combate peru i don't know if you saw it it was good man it was good i expected a little more but you know, my Peruvians showed up. They did all right. Some of the Chileans <laughs> beat us in a couple of fights there. One of the, uh, well, that Zell Hoover dude from Mexico, he's something else. I don't know if you got a chance to see the fight, but he's he's crazy. He's crazy good. I caught the highlights. I know they had another good event, and that's another one. They're expanding. They're growing. They're signing Tito Ortiz. They're doing a lot of good stuff. So it is a great company, and uh, I do u- usually check out their fights, but I had to catch the highlights on that one. Yeah. But yeah, we will have another one. So we'll have Bellator, Combate, the recap of uh, Chicago, UFC 238. So guys will have plenty to hear from from us. 
Natalie, where can fans find you on social media? So for right now, until I change it, uh, ZamudioRama5 on Twitter and ZamudioRama on Instagram and straightpunch.com for your uh, your long, when you feel like reading something long, a long, you know, uh, long form MMA story and you got you got a good amount of time on you, hit up the straightpunch.com. That's a, that's a hell of a selling point, but that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's me. Um, yeah. What about you? There you go, guys. You can find me all the time on Twitter and Instagram at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double and we'll be back next week.